Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Social Ninjas Podcast. Where your hosts, Kyle and Jeremy, have vulnerable conversations with the most successful entrepreneurs in the world to learn how they created and maintained an optimal mental health while building a thriving business. If you are an entrepreneur in the early stages of building your business who wants to learn techniques, tips, and tricks to improve your mental health to keep you and your business running smoothly, you're in the right spot. Quick disclaimer before starting the show. Kyle, Jeremy, and the guests they bring on the show are not health professionals, and what they say should not be used in place of a replacement of medication or your doctor. Enjoy the show! Hello and welcome to another episode of The Social Ninjas. Today is The Social Ninja. Kyle cannot make it. He hasn't told me why yet. I'm sure after this podcast he'll tell me why. Um, Kyle, hope you're okay. No call, no show. Sending you love. Uh, today I have a special, special guest for multiple reasons. One is the small world dynamic of this Hompani, aka Posh Notions, Yes, yes, it is. Thank you so much for having me. Excited yeah. to be here. I am excited as well. We had connected a few years ago, and then we continued to do podcasting. And we had David Meltzer and a bunch of other amazing entrepreneurs. And then through, I believe, David David's uh, area <laughs> connected us. And then she said, oh, "You want to really have this this lady on the podcast?" And she said, oh, "Said all amazing things about you." And I was like, "I know her." <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's awesome so for the I lovely was super excited to see your or like your name I was like wait a minute because I'm bad with remembering first names I'm like that name looks familiar hold on a second <laughs> like checking my Instagram I'm like that is him so yeah it's like hi I'm gonna be on your podcast <laughs> <laughs> so let's just jump in so for the, the human beings that are wondering who is Bonnie aka Posh Notions people call you people that don't know you call you Posh only the people that know you call you Bonnie and um let's just jump in tell us about yourself and a little bit of your journey to where you are now. Oh, wow. Um, so where do I start? I had a, um, I don't know, a tumultuous childhood. I'm not going to get into that too much. Grew up pretty quick. Uh, my mom was real sick growing up, um, with a lot of things I didn't understand at the time, of course, being a kid. Um, and, uh, I had kids myself pretty young. My oldest is going to be 21. I was 20 or he is 21. I was 21 when I had him. Um, I had him and I had my daughter and I went to school for accounting and worked in the field for a while. Um, and then one day in uh, summer of 2011, I got really sick out of nowhere and was paralyzed with a condition called um, Guillain-Barre syndrome um, and spent a few weeks in the hospital. It was like having a stroke and had to learn how to do, you know, my motor skills all over again, walking, talking, eating, typing, um, and came out and tried to kind of jump back into my old life um, as an accountant, raising my two kids on my own at that point. I was a single mom for a while um, and quickly realized that I was just, well, I shouldn't say quickly realized, quickly realized I couldn't go back to my old life, though that didn't stop me from trying for the next, you know, five years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and really not realizing that my, basically my body's protective mechanisms had kicked in and said, Hey, if you keep going this way, you're not going to make it too much longer. 
Um, and I wasn't doing anything super bad, but I definitely wasn't taking care of myself. Definitely high stress, dealing with things with my, my oldest, um, consuming tons of caffeine, working 11, 12 hours to get like six hours worth of work in because I was two kids at home during, you know, the summer. Um, and yeah, that was, it was, it was something. Um, <laughs> looking back on it now, I can speed through it, but definitely going through it was one of the absolute hardest things that I've ever dealt with. Um, I spent multiple months like crawling up my stairs because my legs, you know, couldn't hold me up. And um, so my husband and I reconciled um, right around the time that I got sick. Um, And it, see, so yeah, 2011, then 2012, I got pregnant with my third child. (laughs) Surprise. Um, against all medical odds, um, the first medical surprise baby that I had, um, and kind of was trying to find ways to make money and supplement because I couldn't go back to my old job. I was on disability. I physically and cognitively could not work, unfortunately for anybody else. Um, it took me about, uh, probably it wasn't until about 2018. until my memory function, um, I regained that or my wasn't having severe short-term memory issues. Um, and then in 2016, I had a super, super surprise miracle baby after multiple surgeries between me and my husband. And that was about the time I started Posh Notions um, as what it is known, you know, today, how it's known today, I should say. So yeah, that's quite the journey. <laughs> I have a few questions. How did you get your short-term memory back to what it is now? Um, that's a really great question. Um, so for me, it was, um, I abandoned all of my psych meds. I am not recommending anybody do that. Um, in 2017, that was what I call the second part of my healing journey. Um, the first part would have been getting sick in 2011. Um, after a, my, so my mental illness, um, issues for lack of better terminology, way, way predecessed my um, prior to my physical issues. I mean, I'm talking way back in the childhood, anxiety, depression, um, multiple sheets of diagnoses from these doctors. I was taking, um, over a dozen different psych medications, um, when I quit in 2017. And it was after discussion with my doctor and coming in and telling him month after month after month that I was struggling with, you know, anger and rage and anxiety and this and that and the other. He said, oh, well, this one med, and I'm not going to mention it because I know it does help people, um, could be causing the problem. And I had been taking this medication for 15 years, pretty much nonstop. I was like, I'm done. I was like, I'm so tired of being bumped. And I know medication has its place. I'm not knocking it um, in any way, shape or form. But for me, it was just the end of that trust and the end of, I was like, I I need to see if I can do this a different way. Um, and that was really the first indication that conventional meds don't work for me, um, starting with the psych meds. So, yeah. That, um, yeah. So I have a few questions on this. This is such a sure. powerful story. Um, what was some of your takeaways from going through all those challenges, either growing up and then, you know, going through not being able to walk for a while and then short-term memory? Like what are some of your main takeaways and things you've learned that you've 
Um, so let me back up because I realized I didn't fully answer your question. The answer, <laughs> no worries. Finish answering your question. Sometimes this is the short-term memory still kicks in there. Um, fish oil for me was the thing that did it. I ended up researching tons of supplements and stuff after a stint with a drug for my rheumatoid arthritis not working. And after taking um, a super strong um, high dose of fish oil for about three months, I noticed a significant difference. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. I didn't have to write that down. Or, hey, wait a minute. I remembered we had a conversation. I actually remember what we talked about on top of that. Um, so that for me is um, was what really helped um, get over that part of it and kind of regain my, my memory. Um, as far as takeaways, my God, there's so many. That's why I'm writing a book. Um, mm. First was always just the belief that everything happens for a reason with the caveat at at one point that, you know, sometimes trying to figure out what that reason is, is nerve wracking. Um, but it was just holding the belief that, you know, I was going through these things for some reason. And it's kind of been unveiled to me little by little, like with the medication, like treating all of the conditions that I have now, um, more naturally, um, than the doctors would like. <laughs> uh, yeah. and really for me, is just the notion of tenacity and perseverance and resilience. And we're only given like one life. And the way I see it is like, you can't let life get in the way of living. And I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people, especially people who are maybe going through some really hard shit right now. Um, is that it's only part of your life. Like for me, I have multiple chronic illnesses. I do not identify with any of them as me like I, it's me who has these different things yeah i'm living but with i am not this exactly and for a long time i was you know i was bipolar i was depressed i was anxious i was this i was that and i was all these different labels and once i kind of removed all of the labels it allowed me to take another step towards healing because i was no longer tied to those stories it was just something that was a part of who I am, not all of who I am. So those are probably the most important things that I can share with you. Mm. This is, it also brings up the notion, huh, the notions, posh notions, <laughs> the idea of what, what I think a lot of people forget is what works for one person might not work for another person. And I, I see it's often in just a diagnosis and doctors working with patients. It's just like, just throw them some medication without even doing a proper yes. diagnosis without actually getting to know and asking questions to that patient of what's going on for them and really analyzing and scanning their brain and seeing their past. They're like, oh, you're having depression? Here's an antidepressant. You're having this? Here's this. And just covering up the, uh, the symptoms and not getting to the root of it. Yes. Yes. I, yes. A million times. Yes. I am the living epitome of that. And, um, so when I was first diagnosed um, and given medicine, I was told it was for my stomach because I was having, I guess what it's now called IBS back in high school and was told they were stomach pills. They're going to make my stomach feel better. I was like, okay, internet wasn't really a thing back then. Um, plus I trusted my doctor, you know, and my parents as a kid and not blaming my mom or anything else for that. Like I, it is what it is, but that 
started my journey with this medication roller coaster. It's like you take the one thing and it's like, okay, well, now you're having these side effects. So they give you another pill. And it's okay, side effects, and then another pill. Before I knew it, like I said, I was on a dozen plus medications, just psych meds. Um, and I honestly, for a long time, don't even think I knew who I was, like at all. I wasn't following my intuition. Like my intuition was basically gone. It was numbed. I was numb. You know, I learned this one story. Um, so when I got pregnant with my third child, I of course stopped taking a lot of things. Um, they just weren't safe for pregnancy. And all of a sudden horror movies terrified the shit out of me. And I'm like, I watch horror movies all the time. And I'm like, this is a pregnancy thing. Maybe it's just hormones. And then I realized that the medications were completely just numbing whatever part of my brain because I was taking it for anxiety, which is related to fear and can be fear induced. Like it was turning off that part of my brain. So I'm guessing they were working really, really, really well in a sense um, to, to stop those, you know, transmissions or however you want to describe it, chemicals in my brain. Um, but that was my first real kind of indication of, wow, like I'm on some really heavy stuff that these things that did haven't bothered me for a decade and a half, all of a sudden, I can't even watch the commercials for wow. it's giving me nightmares, you know? So, yeah. It's, it's, I don't know why it comes up. It reminds me of the movie. Have you seen the movie Garden State? No, I've heard of it. But I don't think I've seen that one. Oh well, if you if you haven't seen it, and you're listening to this. Um, don't listen to this next part. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> he's taken medications for many many years for something, and it's, it just reminds me of that. Uh, all of a sudden, he's like, "I'm gonna stop taking this medication and actually feel." I think it's it's just such a not saying to not take medication, obviously, but there is a level of fear of, of. I still go through it, to be honest. Like fear feeling my emotions like like i have to be happy all the time and sometimes i get into it where i'm i i'm scared of my sadness and my anger so then i withhold from really going head on and then i do go to groups now where where's a safe space to really feel my sadness and anger even though it's scary in the moment afterwards it's so freeing it's like using the restroom it's just something that we have to do as human beings is to process that our stuff on a regular day basis it's like oh, i was sad yesterday i don't want to be sad and feel my emotions again it's just part of like going to the restroom is feeling our emotions and it's very scary at times and it's very uncomfortable at a lot of times as well it's just something that's just more a higher, higher living, in my opinion. I don't know. I'm wondering, wondering your thoughts. I agree with that. And now that you're saying that and some things are kind of stirring up in my brain, I think that's why I had a lot of traumatic experiences, um, even all the way up until, but, you know, getting sick was pretty traumatic. That whole experience was um, very scary. Uh, you know, waking up and being able to hear and see. And actually, I didn't even kind of go to sleep. It was just all of a sudden I couldn't move and I couldn't talk, but I could hear and feel everything that was going on when that onset. Um, and but something you just said um, kind of triggered to me. So I, I don't know how much you could talk about here with sensor, but I had lots of traumatic things, um, you know, sexual assaults and other things, uh, physical and um, sexual and, and emotional abuse um, from partners. Um, and one tried to kill me. Um, but I quote unquote bounced back from that so quickly. 
because I was always in go, go, go in survival mode and protect my kids mode. And like, okay, well, on to the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And I also almost wonder if, um, like now some of the stuff comes up and I've been using lots of tools and working with people and whatnot to process these different things as they come up. And it was always strange to me that the stuff never, ever felt like it hit me. Like if somebody's raped, that's a super huge traumatic thing to happen in all senses of everything. Um, and especially, maybe not especially, maybe that's the wrong word, but it was somebody I knew. It was like a friend of a friend. So there's also that whole trust factor that was completely gone. It's like, I can't even trust people I know anymore kind of thing. But, and I don't want to put a time limit on anybody's healing or grieving process. But for me, when I look back at like how quickly I kind of snap back from that, it was a very short period of time. And it doesn't really feel like a long enough period of time to kind of grieve and get over something like that. Um, but that's what you were saying about the, the guy who's decided to stop his meds and feel everything is I think for a very long time, I was way more numb than I actually realized. And when I was feeling any kind of anxiety or depression or anything, I was running to my doctor and going, I'm feeling this again, I'm feeling this again, I'm having nightmares again. So I was part of the problem, but I also didn't have any alternative solutions on my mind. And I wasn't learning how to deal with or cope with any of this in therapy, like I feel like I should have been. Um, so yeah, that's a, I hadn't really looked at it like that before until you told me that story. So I'm glad you brought it up. Um, cause I haven't really had a good way to kind of describe that part of what I've been living. Um, but I, but I agree with you. It is very good to feel your feelings and it's very good to get it out there. And, um, I'm, I'm hopeful and it seems like society is slowly incrementally moving more towards or maybe it's just the people I'm surrounding myself with now and the media that I consume and whatnot versus what I did before but it feels like we're slowly moving towards this stuff is okay this is normal people feel this mental health days from work are normal like all of these different things especially with COVID happened so much was brought to light and so many things were quote unquote normalized that were like the oddball thing, like staying at home with your kids when they're sick, you know, working from home, taking care of your mental health more. Um, they were kind of illuminated all of a sudden uh, globally. Mm. And I really feel like I I'm hoping anyways, that all of these things that have been illuminated will continue to be illuminated versus, oh, that was kind of a fluke and we're just going to go back to the way things used to be. I hope, I really hope not. Oh. I, I'm a huge believer. I love when you bring up this topic because it's so true. I feel like a lot of people were suppressing how they felt and just ignoring kind of just on their routines. I go to work, you know, I come home, I go to sleep, I go back to work to a, a job they don't like and they ignore all their or suppress all their trauma and they suppress all the stuff they're not happy about with just media and porn and alcohol and um, TV and on and on and on. And then I think the pandemic happened and they didn't have the distractions of their routines. And all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, this pandemic sucks. And yes, there were a lot of awful things about the pandemic and still are, but there was uh, for the first time, people actually had to go head on and say, oh, well, I've been, I've been suppressing this. This has been bothering me for many, many years. And all of a sudden they, they've, they had to go head on with it. Like it's just thrown in front of them. And there's, I think it was an opportunity for a lot of people to really process some stuff that they have been holding on to. And 
I'm a big believer. I used to do that where I, did, I wanted to be happy all the time. And I, I couldn't stand, like I was so scared of my emotions. And, but what I didn't realize is that by suppressing how I, you know, my trauma and everything like that, that subconsciously I would take it out on people. Like I had a lot of anger and I'll take out my anger out of my parents or my close, close friends. And I was not, I was not fun to be around by my close ones. And then it's because I was suppressing stuff and then take displacing it on them. Like it comes, it finds a way to get shown. So not telling you know, your boss or not telling people who are, or the people who are the perpetrators and not processing the stuff with them and sticking up for yourself and not processing our stuff we're doing a disservice for our closest ones which is an interesting download i just had yeah i i think too is just think of the notion of you know calling in sick to your boss like you you know i'm having anxiety today i'm not coming in like you people just didn't do that like we were quote unquote forced to lie on a regular basis especially people like me like i have the stomach virus you know was a common one for me if I needed to call off work. I mean, that that's something I've used for my kids. And finally this year, uh, I told my, my, my son's second grade teacher, I was like, look, I sent him back on March 1st. I sent him back with a manila envelope with like three quarters of an inch of papers that he had not finished. And I wrote her a note and I said, look, if you can get him to do this, fabulous, good for you. You know, you get all the bonus points. I was like, but I am not concerned about it. It is not worth his mental health. I am not sitting at the table for four hours every day trying to fill, finish this stuff. He will understand it when he understands it. Like he's in second grade, first of all. He's got 10 more years of repetition and relearning the same stuff over and over and over again at varying levels. Mm. But for me, I didn't have to hide from her. I was like, look, it's not, it's wreaking havoc on our mental health. I'm like, we're fighting. There's no boundaries of, you know, home and school because of what was going on. And it was, there was constant carryover. So he'd be angry about this and that and frustrated with school. And it rolled right into the rest of our day because there was no, Hey, you're home from school now. And, you know, kind of that separation, but I, I was able to tell her it was for mental health reasons. I'm like, I'm not even hiding this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, like you said, it's an opportunity too, because whereas before, and I've experienced this and I don't know if this is a state to state thing, when my oldest was in kindergarten and was having um, behavioral and mental health um, symptoms for the first time, the school couldn't do anything. They had their, their hands were tied because of laws where basically they can't suggest mental health services for your children. Um, but I remember going in and saying, okay, I know he's having this problem, this problem, this problem. How do I help him? How can you help me help him? And the guidance counselor was like, I'm so glad you said that. We have all of these resources. I'm just not allowed to suggest any of them to you unless you ask first. Wow. So I think that also, I'm hoping that part of it will change. Now, I'm not saying this is school's responsibility to diagnose kids or anything like that. I do understand that there's a line. But they see a problem. They see the problem. And they're like, denial i feel like a lot of people are in so so much like they're in denial it's like uh if i never get go to the, to the and get tested for stds it's it's okay like it sounds very really similar like it's good to go because then you now you know you're normalizing how you feel and you get the treat proper treatment same with mental health hello this is kyle your favorite co-host of the social ninjas podcast don't worry i won't tell jeremy Uh, I just want to share with you all this really awesome mental health app designed specifically for men. 
So we all know that mental well-being takes practice, it takes strength, and it takes vulnerability, which for us men is sometimes kind of hard. It's not something that we fix, it's something that we honor, and no man needs to do that alone. That's where the Tether app comes into play. It's an area to practice those skills. With the app, you get access to peer programming, content, and a 24-7 support network where you can support other men and be supported yourself. It's not just a place to come when you're having a bad day. It's for every single day, and we celebrate a lot in the app. It's available on the App Store and Google Play Store for free. All you got to do is go check it out, go download it. It is the Tether app, and that's T-E-T-H-R. Go download it right now, then come back to the podcast and listen. Well, I guess there was there were some lawsuits because the school suggested so-and-so's kid, you know, may have ADHD and should probably be seen by a physician and everything blew up because, you know, this person was offended and they sued the school and then they changed all the rules about that kind of stuff. And it's like, so it's that one or f- it's those few people who ruined it for everyone else. Unfortunately. <laughs> and like, I get it. Like, it's not easy to receive a mental health diagnosis, especially for one of your no, kids. No. Um, oh yeah. Denial is way easier. I feel it like it would have been, it, I mean, at least for a very short period of time. Cause I was definitely like, I want to, I'm a fixer. So I was like, I want to fix you and not, hmm. I wanted, I wanted him to not get be suffering saying. and he was definitely suffering. Yeah, I get it. And I just wanted to fix everything and make it all better. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I'm hoping that that has, some of that stuff will change because now the schools are allowed to say things like, you know, we're having mental health counseling for COVID and mental health counseling for this. And, you know, yeah, That's amazing. So I'm hoping what seems to be moving in the right direction. Before I forget, I want to get into, you've mentioned, I don't know if we were recording, but how much progress you made in such a short amount of time. Oh, Can you yes. tell us about that? So What's been going on? Crazy. Like I said, I, I uh, quit my psych meds in 2017. Full disclosure, not re- recommending anybody do that uh, without, you know, talking to the doctor and such. Um, <clears throat> and like you were saying about the, the, the stuff coming out, that's what was happening for me at that point was I was raging about dishes and dirt on the floor. And I'm like, something's really wrong. This is, this isn't right. Um, and it was shortly after that, like I met my now best friend and I, maybe around the same time I was introduced to EFT tapping for the first time. I came across some Tony Robbins material and was like stoked because I'm like, people talk like this. This is amazing. I like, I had never come across uh, motivational speakers before that. Like it was my mm-hmm. first introduction to that. Um, and I was trying to build a business and I was reaching out to different people and I found and met Gary V. I drove to New Jersey and met Gary V. Um, so I started really taking all of these. I started listening to my intuition again, because I was actually able to hear it and pay attention to it. Um, cause it wasn't numbed with all the medication anymore. Um, and, uh, I started saying yes to more things, um, on a, on a, on a whim. Um, which for me as the person who lived with anxiety and fear of a lot of different things, uh, I had OCD for a really long time as well. Uh, I was very much over analytical, over processing through everything. Um, and so it was, it was really exciting for someone like me to be able to just be saying yes to different things. 
Now, 2018 was an interesting year. Um, so I, like I mentioned earlier, I have rheumatoid arthritis and some other chronic health, um, physical chronic health conditions um, that were kind of spurred on by the Guillain-Barre attacking my immune system. And uh, late in 2018, I was told the arthritis had moved to my spine. So my spine was starting to deteriorate and I started to panic um, and asked my doctor for, for like, can you give me something? And basically up until that point, none of the meds that she had given me had worked or I had had serious side effects. The one actually made me clinically, like uh, I was having psychosis. Um, so I kind of sworn off the meds and I was like, look, I, I need, I need you to do something. Um, and she gave me something called Humira and it was actually probably the absolute worst decision medically I've ever made in my entire life and went the complete opposite direction of what I thought it was going to go. I thought it was going to save my spine and my joints and it made me very, very sick. Um, and I'm telling you all of this because it's leading up into 2019. I've met Evan Carmichael in person and that was fabulous. And I started making all these plans. Um, and then I got the sickest I had ever been. And it was at that point that I decided basically like the third part phase of my healing journey was like, screw these meds, screw all of this. I was like, none of this is working for me. I've got to do something different. And in combination with the kind of the people I had been coming in contact to or contact with, um, I started researching supplements and diets in different ways to try to change what was going on in my body naturally. And the more I started kind of doing that, the more I started like attracting different types of people into my life and thinking about things differently. I was feeling better. Um, I got to get my inflammation to go down with diet. Um, so I wasn't in, you know, 24 hour intense pain anymore. Um, and middle of 2019, like July, 2019, I met David Meltzer on Instagram, uh, after reading his book. And at the time I was running, I think the last time you and I talked quite a bit, I was running my unbreakable campaign. I was trying to get it off the ground. I remember. Yeah. And I was like, I want to do this and I want to help these people. And I, and I was so excited and psyched up and I had all of these plans for this. And I was felt like I was feeling the best I had been feeling for a long time. Um, and I got to do a private mentoring session over the phone with David Meltzer. And I remember him telling me, um, I was like, I want to run this campaign. I'm trying to get this business off the ground. And this is a little bit about my health. And uh, these are all my ambitions kind of thing in a very short, you know, like a two minute little spiel that I gave him. And he was like, you're not doing anything until you get your health in order. And I'm like, that wow. was not the advice I was fucking looking for. Wow. But it, like you said, it was the, what I needed to hear kind yeah. of like we were talking about before we were recording. I, mm -hmm. that was what I needed to hear. And for him to feel that energy from California and I'm in Pittsburgh, coast to coast. Right. And I was like, okay, I am talking to you for a reason. I'm going to listen to what you have to say and let's do this. Like, how do I, how do I go in even further? And what's interesting is, so the Humira I took for about seven months never reached a therapeutic level for me. Um, it, like I said, it went the opposite way. And it took about eight months to get the Humira out of my system. Wow. Uh, and yeah, so that at the tail end, so we're thinking March, 
probably this is I, I still had a few months to go left getting this out of my system when I met him he came here to Pittsburgh and I tell you what this man's energy is something like I'm getting goosebumps because it, it's just it's phenomenal like he was you know speaking at his table whatever and I'm, I creep in with the stroller because I've got my <laughs> two-year-old with me and I'm sitting in the kind of in the back and he's got these massive football players and and like waving to my baby and you know Ty was it was so great and I walked up to him and I was like can I hug you and he was like yeah sure and I give him this big hug and then I tell him who I am I'm like we just talked on Monday this is what you told me I am so ready to do this um and so it was just it was an amazing experience but I worked with him fairly closely over the phone I talked to him every like couple of weeks and he would give me you know little assignments I was working on my sleep he was helping me you know he's done a lot of research on uh, quality sleep uh, and he was helping me with that and it was like one to two tips at a time of things that I was doing to improve my life but it was directly related to me it wasn't some ambiguous like advice like somehow he just had the right information for me and it was just it was amazing to go from January of 2019 to January of 2020 and do this, not even like a 180. It was like, I don't even know what you would call it because it was like, I was all the way down here. And then I, I don't know, it was just phenomenal. Um, and 2020, I January, 2020, before everything kind of uh, hit the fan, so to speak, I had declared that I was going back to basics. So I wasn't working on the campaign. I had to put it aside for my own mental health reasons um, and basically stripped my life of everything that wasn't absolutely necessary, not even realizing kind of how this was like a premonition into what was about to happen to, you know, billions of people. Um, it was like, I'm not doing anything that, you know, taking care of my kids, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm taking care of my health and making it full focus. And because of that, I made so much progress from December to like March, right before every, you know, the, things were shutting down because I took the focus off of all of the things that I thought I should be doing that weren't really necessary for my growth at that point. And it allowed me to kind of make a quantum leap from being super sick and kind of flush this stuff out of my system and not really be able to still, I was holding conversations, but sometimes my brain just wasn't working. I was having flares, a repeated flare, like one after the other. Um, and then all of a sudden I get to March and I'm just like, I feel better than I have felt my, probably my entire adult life. Um, That's beautiful. Can you, tell, can you tell me about that? Like those, the main progress? I think the biggest thing for me was, was sleep. Um, but the second biggest, so when you, when you've got chronic physical, chronic pain, you know, pain illnesses, some chief complaints are pain, fatigue, uh, and inflammation, at least in my, um, understanding and, and of talking to lots of other people, those are kind of, those are kind of across the board. Um, so to get my sleep right was allowing my body to heal while I was resting versus just kind of closing my eyes. And then waking up, not feeling any better than when I went to sleep. Um, and so my energy and my outlook and my mental health, everything was just kind of like in flow. Like I felt on top of the world. I was like, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to figure out how to make money again. I'm ready to, you know, try to 
do this stuff with my business again. Um, I got, it, it was crazy because I got super pumped up and was ready to go. And I start making all this progress with that. And then two weeks later, everything's here shut down. I know it was different across the world, but for us, it was, I, I remember very distinctly because the last day I went out was March 12th, 2020. Um, so yeah, it was, here's how I know I made so much progress. And, and this, I, I'm not trying to offend anybody by saying this, but the world is shutting down and I am looking at it as an, as an opportunity to accelerate right? So for me, I'm high risk. I wasn't going anywhere. I had plans to not go anywhere. I knew that quarantine happened or however they did it because nobody knew how they were going to do it at that point. I was going to be the one of the very first people that was just stuck at quote unquote stuck at home. And as I was watching things slowing down kind of all over the place, I was looking at it as an opportunity to pick things up, to learn as much as po I possibly could to figure out some new skills, to figure out what I wanted to do with my business, you know, spend more time with my kids, whatever the case was. Um, so yeah, it was, I, I was looking at it very much as an opportunity, especially when people started coming to me and asking me, could I make things for them? Like they were asking me for, um, I had a couple of people ask me if I could make custom masks kind of stemming off of the custom apparel that I make. And I was like, no, I don't know how to sew. <laughs> you know, not not in my skill set. And the third person asked, and I was like, you know what? This is a sign from the universe. I believe in the law of three. I better at least attempt to do this. And I talked to David and I was like, hey, do you think this is something I could do? Could I scale this? Could I make this work? And he was like, absolutely. And I'm like, all right, then guess I'm gonna learn how to sew and pull this massive vintage sewing machine out of my garage that I'd never used and it doesn't work. I ended up borrowing a machine from a friend of mine and it was kind of chugging along, um, technically broken, but it was working well enough for me to learn the basics of sewing. And so I learned how to sew based again on saying yes to somebody, not having any clue how I was going to kind of do what it was that they wanted me to do. Um, and that's what grew into um, the upcycling business that I want to build and getting on Etsy, you know, two weeks after learning how to sew um, the TV show that I did with David Meltzer. Um, so yeah, to, to, like I said, that's all of these different pieces to answer your question. The fact that I was doing things that I had never dreamed that I would ever do. I'd never, ever dreamed that I was going to be, okay. I dreamed that I would be on TV, but I never actually had a plan you know, to go on TV. You know what I mean? Like, like it was actually going to happen. It was more of a, Hey, that would be really cool as a kid kind of thing. Um, I was doing things in spite of the fear. I was oh. terrified to go on TV. I was terrified to write a pitch. I wasn't even going to apply for the pitch competition in the first place, oh. but David called me out and it was very much like, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, yeah. I'd be honest, I wasn't even, it was almost like being in fight or flight mode because I wasn't allowing myself to stop and think. And I was just taking action after action after action because. Oh, I love I this. Like, I, I do this with my clients all the time. I'm like, especially if it's something towards their goal and they're scared and they don't want to do it and they have a lot of resistor. I always say, well, let me ask you before you say no to this, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. And see, for me, um, I'll back it up a little bit. So I was building, I, like I said, I, 
learned how to make masks and I started sewing all of these other things and I was falling in love with vintage materials and I started sewing during the worst possible time somebody could start if they're trying to learn how to sew because materials had skyrocketed you couldn't get them stuff shipping was a wreck um elastic little you know foot of elastic is usually like 10 cents or something it was like four bucks wow and I'm like trying to get my hands on this stuff so Going through all of that kind of developed into this idea that I wanted to upcycle as much as I possibly could. My mom was getting me vintage materials from her friends that weren't, you know, no longer sewing and whatnot. And come August, I was like, I want to build an upcycling company. I don't know how I'm going to do this. David, do you think I could do this? Yeah, I think you could do that. Great. And then the idea just kind of sat there. And I was still working on things, but I'm like, I have the, the faintest clue how to, like, I'm talking like a massive take on Etsy business. I have no idea how to do this. You did it. Um, you did it. You're doing it so well. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, it's pay another lesson. You were asking me earlier. What was the takeaway? Patience is a, is a huge, Ooh. huge one. Cause I am not very patient with myself. Historically. Um, now you are. Ooh, trying no, no trying. <laughs> it's like, I always say with my clients, like, what is that new story that you're going to take on and practice? Like going to the gym, right? Yeah, are you going right. to practice the, I'm not patient. I'm not, are you going to practice? I'm not good enough. Are you practice? I'm never going to be successful. Or are you going to practice with that new muscle? It might feel awkward in the beginning and uncomfortable and fear is going to kick in. However, you might as well practice that ideal story until it becomes a reality. That is so good. That is so good. I'm looking at up here because I still have my pitch on my mirror and I have the signs <laughs> that I hung up. One says, you fucking got this. The other one says, just breathe. And the other one said, we got your back signed the universe. And <laughs> It, it you're right you you have so that was a big part of what I did I was listening to sleep hypnosis for months and months and months I completely forgot about that and I'm doing it again but leading up to that Melissa Peer was on repeat while I was sleeping that I am enough I am enough I am enough because I didn't believe I had any business pitching so <laughs> I kind of went out of order but David Meltzer my, my mentor was running these pitch competitions on YouTube and I think Instagram maybe or somewhere online <clears throat> excuse me and they decided to take it to global television to Bloomberg and I'm in his private coaching group. And I was kind of toying with the idea. I'm like, Oh, how do I write a pitch? And should I, I'm going to pitch my upcycling biz. And then like every week I was asking different questions, kind of hinting at the fact that I might want to try this, but not really ever <laughs> thinking I was going to do it. And it was, I think mid November. And he's talking everybody who hasn't signed up for two minute drill yet, get, make sure you get your applications in. We only have a week left. And that means you Bonnie. And I'm like, I'm like stomping on the ground. I'm like, God damn it. I was like, he just called me out in front of the whole group. I love it. Now I have to do this thing. Yep. And I'm like, accountability. All right. At his best. But what's funny is I still waited three more days. Cause I'm like, I'm like, maybe I, maybe I'll just let it slide. Procrastination. Under. Like, and Finally, I ended up filling out the application. It was like 1130 at night. I was like, I'm just going to get this over with. Um, oh, wow. And I'm filling it out. And it's like, what's your pitch going to be? And I'm like, I don't effing know. Like, I thought that came later. <laughs> so I had to write a mini pitch on the spot. And it came out so beautifully. And wow. this is like another example of one of those last minute. Like, I was literally getting ready to go to bed and looked at my phone. I was like, I'm just going to do this kind of thing. And the same with my, um, my, my target audience. I was like, I, I don't know. I've been trying to figure that out for six months. That's why this business is still sitting on a notepad in my dining room. Mm. And all of a sudden it came to me and I'm like, this is fabulous. So I ended up recording. Um, I, or I, I ended up getting picked 
<clears throat> I should say, and I'm running around screaming and texting people, trying to explain to them what the hell I'm talking about. Cause I'm like, I'm going to pitch and I'm going to do that. And they're like, what are you talking about? My friends have, none of my friends are entrepreneurs. Like none of my, like in real life grew up with friends or entrepreneurs <clears throat> and none of them had any idea what I was talking. About. I barely had any idea what I was talking about. And that the imposter syndrome sets in, right? Cause I'm Ooh, like, I know oh, that shit. One. I'm like, I I'm studies just, show over 70% of people have it. It was, I was so much from the very beginning, which is why I wasn't going to apply going, well, this guy's got NFL backers and this guy's had this, and this guy's built five other billion dollar companies. Like how I'm like, I have 80 sales on Etsy. How do I compete with these people? Again, I'd had other sales with my original business, but it was still like, how am I going to do this? Yeah. And so I just did the best I could. And in my mind, the entire time was, I don't want to make David look like an asshole because people know that I'm in his private coaching group. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to do the best I can and not make us both look bad. And crazy enough that the, the whole thing was crazy. I, I don't, when I talk about it, I get super excited because it's just the way the whole thing played out. So the day that Beautiful. I recorded, our power went out, right? Oh, uh, we had no power. <laughs> So like a half an hour maybe before I was supposed to go on to record and we had no internet and I'm like this is lovely because they're in California I'm like how is this gonna work five minutes before I was supposed to record the internet popped back on I'm getting, having my son like, fix my computer I don't know what's wrong with it. I gotta finish getting ready this running around and how, did, how did it play out because we're running low was, on time yeah it was it was amazing <laughs> Uh, my video sucked. If anybody wants to watch it, uh, it's on Amazon Prime now. It's called Two Minute Drill, um, and I'm episode three from season one. Um, I ended up winning 50000 in cash and prizes, Amazing. beating all of the people that I thought I was not <laughs> competition for. Um, it's inspiring. I had the most emotionally connected pitch they had i made them cry Beautiful. on global te television and that i had that show. piece goes to show authenticity exactly i had the piece that a lot of other people didn't have and it just so happened that the pieces that i had just meant more to them than the millions of dollars in sales he said, you know, people invest in people. And that was kind of the bottom line of. Oh, that's so beautiful. So. I love, I love, like, I get goosebumps hearing all your stories for, cause I resonate, like, you don't know the connections also that I have to your story and that like, you met Evan Carmichael. Evan Carmichael was on our podcast. David Meltzer, <laughs> he has such a beautiful connection. He was on our podcast and it was because when they came on the podcast and shared just mindset like I had like when this podcast started I had trouble getting anyone on and as soon as I had Evan Carmichael and David Melser, um things just shifted because they're like just go after it like reach out to everybody yeah. on like surround yourself around a around more amazing people and just the worst second what's scared being like Evan Carmichael's being scared is not a good enough reason not to do something and then ever since I had you know we I we had uh, Evan Carmichael and David Meltzer I started reaching out to like the big timers and I was always nervous to reach out to them like big time hundreds of thousands of followers blue check mark people like 
20 plus TEDx speakers, all these people. And it's just, I had imposter syndrome before. So, so like, why would they want to come on my podcast? And what I learned through this process is like, we're all the same. I don't care how many followers, how much money you have. Yeah. Like we're all just human beings. No one is better than anyone. And don't put anyone on the pedestal and really reach out for Mars and you'll get the moon. That's a pretty solid compromise. <laughs> worst case scenario. Um, last question. If you had a uh, one message for the world, what would that message be? Oh boy. I think it's what would have to be what I said at the beginning. Um, well, two things. I only get one message. Okay. Go back to the beginning and listen, <laughs> but I think that my biggest purpose for being here, honestly, is to show people that, you know, chronic illness and trauma doesn't have to be the end of your quote unquote life. And that you can still go after the things that you really want to do. And that's really all I've ever wanted to do with any of the things that I've done is to show people that it's possible um, because I know, you know, 10, 11 years ago when I first got sick, I, first of all, I had no idea I was going to do any of these things, but I never thought laying in the hospital bed, unable to move that I was going to be, you know, doing any of the things that I'm doing now. <clears throat> um, so beautiful. If people are still, the people that are still listening to this, they want to find you on social media, where can they find you? I am Posh Notions everywhere from Etsy to my website to, excuse my voice, I got a frog, um, to Instagram, uh, YouTube, everywhere, pretty much under Posh Notions. So. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's good to reconnect with you uh, after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that's about. You're good. You're so. good. Um, definitely give the social ninjas a five star. I would say six star, but it's impossible. And um <laughs> Thanks again, and we'll see you all next week.